Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to 31 Days of Terror, day number five. And I have two spooky stories for you today. And the first story comes from Craig. I'm 42, and this happened back when I was an apprentice working at a forge. Kirkstill Forge in Leeds has been a staple of Leeds from the 1100s up until the early 2000s when it was shut and sold on. The factory back in the day was run by monks linked to Kirkstill Abbey. I'm sure this at some point may have cropped up as there's many a tale to do with the Abbey and I know of ghost tours in the Abbey House Museum, which I'm sure has its own tales of eerie goings on. I was 18 years old and working the night shift. Now I'm 50-50 with the paranormal. I want to believe but until I get a firm experience that directly affects me, the jury's out. But I spend most days now watching videos of people's personal experiences, so I want it to be true and being an avid horror fan spurs my interest in this. On the night of what I would say was the event, bear in mind my experience isn't directly linked, but it's circumstantial to what happened. To set the scene, the forge was roughly a mile-long site, full of old warehouses, some in use, some empty shells no longer in use. The area on a night was dimly lit outside, with murky lights that barely lit a foot in front of it. The factory was bombed in the Second World War and one of the areas took significant damage. You could see where the girders were torn apart from the bomb up until it was pulled down into the 2000s. The bombing killed five workers in the forge, which at the time was known for making munitions. This area was known as the old A2 unit. Inside was empty and you used this as a shortcut to get to units on the other side. I'll never forget the eerie feeling you always got when walking through here, and regardless of the weather, I will never forget how cold this was, always. It was a Thursday night at around 3 o'clock. Everyone in my department was milling about, some working, some tossing it off, passing the hours by as we did. It was an easy shift. The security guard used to patrol the full factory, log one side and amble to the other and log in again. When passing through, he stopped to talk to me and a co-worker, a lad in his 20s, whose name was Jason. He pulled us up and said, have you heard about what happened to the stamp lads last night? Now the stamp lads, they were a breed of bloke you didn't fuck about with. Big burly lads always looked menacing, covered in soot from the hot castings they were stamping out. The forges were murky places and us young ones stayed away from on this night, three of the stampers were out on their break at around two on the Wednesday morning, catching some fresh air, walking down past the river. On their walk, they were passing an open warehouse, an old stamping unit, 
which was adjacent to the A2. This warehouse had no lighting, it was pitch black and was open-ended so you could see right through. There were a set of steps up and then the ramp and the doors to the A2. It was a good 40 to 50 feet from the A2 unit but you could see through it and it was lit enough to see the A2 side only. As the three were passing, two were slightly to the front and the third was slightly behind. His name was Mark. I knew of him and he was a fucking hard lad. As they were talking, the two front chaps realised that Mark wasn't responding to their conversation. They stopped and turned to Mark to see what was going on, to see him stood still, frozen in place, pointing through the old stamp unit towards the A2 unit. When the two lads looked to where he pointed, they saw a hooded figure hunched slightly over, walking up the gap between the two units towards the A2 unit and go through the closed door and disappear. The doors were closed shut at this point. The two grabbed Mark and off they went at pace back to the forge. This is what we were told by the security guard. So as now it was hearsay. But we asked and he said that this had 100% come from the two other lads. This is what they had told him. I wasn't leaving it there because I was interested in this. So the following week I managed to see personnel one morning and I asked about Mark and the story. I knew the manager well through my dad. We all worked there, my dad and my brothers. And the manager told me that it was true. Mark was put on sick by the doctors due to the stress but on informing work, he was adamant that it happened. Okay, so it's got to be real then, right? But that wasn't good enough. I needed to know. So Wednesday night came around and I pulled Jason and I said, come on, mate, let's go and check this out. He was like, no, don't be a dick. It's bullshit. Just leave it. They're winding you up. And I told him that no, I'd spoken to personnel. It was true that Mark was on sick leave. And after a bit of back and forth, he agreed. Now, this was the late 90s. So mobile phones, fancy torches and all that jazz weren't really a thing. So it was grab a grubby flashlight that barely worked. We got tooled up with hammers and bars each. I mean, what this would do, I don't know. It's no proton pack and we were a poor man's Ghostbuster unit. We waited until just before 2am and then slowly made our way down to the units where the Phantom Monk was seen. We stood and waited until 2am dead on. Nothing happened. Come on, let's get closer. We turned off our crap lights so as not to alert anything and slowly we crept towards A2. We got to the stairs and we were nearly there at this point and I was absolutely shitting it. What if we were to see something? No sooner as I turned to Jason, two blokes jumped up from each side of the stairs. I was waving my hammer about like a loon. What the fuck are you doing? You crazy twat. It was the other two stampers from the week before. I asked them what they were doing there and they said that they were waiting for it. They knew what they saw and they knew that it was real and they needed to see it again. We all waited around for half an hour but nothing came. This put the willies right up me and safe to say I didn't tempt fate. I never ventured down there again at night. It was too close to home and if it happened, I don't know what I would do. I did ask the other blokes and they said they would keep trying but not long after the forge did shut down, so I'll never know if anyone saw something after. I never saw anything. But to go there and actually see those two grown-ass hard bastards hiding and waiting there, there must be some truth to it.
right? Craig, I think I would be the exact same as you. I'd be like, I need to know the full extent of this story. I need to see what they saw. And I would be there half shitting myself. The worst Ghostbuster in the world at two o'clock in the morning, terrified that I actually might see something, but still dying to see something at the same time. And I totally get it as well, because on the one hand, you want to believe people's experiences, but you also feel like you need a bit of proof as well. And when it's right there, technically on your doorstep, and I can only imagine what it must have felt like being sort of young lads working in a forge with these big, hard bastard men who are working, you know, with molten steel and all that jazz. And then you hear that one of them, one of these big burly men has been so freaked out by what he has seen that he's gone on sick leave. Totally get it. I'd be like, it's definitely true. There's no other, there's nothing else that could have happened. I need to look up what this forge is now because you'd wonder like if it's apartments or whatever they decided to do with it after it's sold. Are people still seeing things now? Because that sounds like an apparition that is repeating through time of the monk going about his daily monk business whatever they were doing so it would kind of make sense to me that whatever the building was now these things would still be being seen or heard or oh I don't know I'd love to know Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And story number two comes from Luke. This happened to me on the last day of living in university halls back in 2011. It was at the end of my first year and most of the other students had already gone home. The building we lived in was pretty modern and had a motion sensor that would switch on the lights when you walked in the corridor. On the final day before we moved out, the last three of us in the flat were sitting in the living area that joined the corridor to the bedrooms. I was exhausted and hungover as we'd been out partying the night before. By now it was after 10pm and dark outside. The large glass windows reflected everything from inside the flat. We were on the first floor of the halls and the large student community building sat opposite our flat. All day we'd been moving about the flat, the motion sensor for the corridor lights had been playing up, sometimes not activating the lights when we were in the corridor and sometimes turning on the lights while we were sitting in the living room. It hadn't behaved like this while we had lived there. Just as I was about to get up off the couch to go to bed, I looked out the window and saw a silhouette of someone reflected in the window. 
They had walked into the corridor and looked into the doorway of the living area where we were sitting. It looked like one of our flatmates who'd regularly came in from having a cigarette, but I thought he had already moved his stuff out and gone home for the summer, and I wondered why he was still here. I looked to the doorway and no one was there, and looking back at the window, I saw the reflected silhouette move out of the doorway and continue along the corridor. I'm getting chills as I write this. The colour drained from my face and I stood up shouting, Oh my God! I told the flatmates I was sitting with what I saw and it's safe to say that we were all very happy to be moving out the next day. After that happened, the motion sensor for the lights in the corridor started working again as normal and I kind of put down the whole experience to me being exhausted from the night before. A year later, I worked at the student community building that sat opposite the halls we had lived in and my colleague who had worked there for years mentioned that the university was known for covering up suicides that took place in the student halls going as far back as before the modern flats were built, when another much older student accommodation building stood on the same site. She mentioned it almost casually and it gave me chills wondering about who we had encountered in the halls the year earlier and whether it had been a student from before we lived there who hadn't lasted the term. I believe that it was relatively commonplace for big institutions many moons ago to try and cover up suicide as often as possible because of a fear of public perception. And to be clear, I'm not saying that's right and I'm not saying that's okay, but I am saying that I could imagine that when your colleague said, you know, the university was known for covering up suicides back in the day, I I could imagine that that would be true. And it does sound like from your story that the lights not working and the visitor that you had in the corridor seemed to be connected. Like, was that visitor pacing the corridor all day and you just happened to see the reflection at the right time? And obviously at this point it was moving out point, so was all the hustle and the bustle of people coming and going and moving things, did that disturb whatever it was that was walking down your corridor? And it may be that that place is a place of heightened emotion for that entity and that's why they're sticking around. But I will say that I have had hangovers that would make you want to see God, you know. I've had hangovers where the phrase as sick as a small hospital, is putting it mildly. My hangovers are part of the reason why I am now sober. And I can tell you that I've never had a hangover that bad that I have seen the other side. I've been close to it, I think. But I've never had a hangover that bad that I've seen the dead. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Craig and Luke for sending in your stories. Remember, if you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra spooky content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash reallifeghoststories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I shall see you tomorrow. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. 
That's stamps.com code program.